Support for IPR comes from Hands in Harmony, a therapeutic healthcare facility with a splash of spa and a team of holistic healers to help in the quest for health, harmony, and happiness. Cedar Rapids and Mount Vernon. Classes, massage, and more at myhih.com. Today is Friday. It is the 7th of October. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Michael Leland. Republican U.S. Senator Chuck Grassley and his Democratic opponent, retired Navy Admiral Mike Franken, faced each other in their first and only televised debate last night. Grassley is seeking an eighth term in the U.S. Senate. He highlighted something Franken has said about President Joe Biden's job in the White House. When he was asked about how do you grade uh, Biden, well, he's doing a fabulous job. So it's it's quite certain that if he were in the United States Senate, He'd be a rubber stamp for the continuation of these policies. Franken brought up Grassley's vote against legislation that would have capped the price of insulin at $35 a month for those who have private insurance. Polls have shown Grassley with a lead over Franken, but by a smaller margin than he's faced in any of his past campaigns. Iowa PBS hosted the debate in its Johnston studios. It wasn't the only debate last night. The candidates running for Iowa's 3rd Congressional District have different ideas on how lawmakers should respond to the U.S. Supreme Court overturning the constitutional right to an abortion. IPR's Grant Gerlach reports the race is considered one that could swing control of the U.S. House of Representatives. Democrat Cindy Axney is running for a third term in Iowa's 3rd District against Republican challenger Zach Nunn, a state senator from Bondurant. In a debate on KCCI-TV in Des Moines, the candidates were asked whether state or federal lawmakers should decide when abortion is legal. Zach Nunn responded it should be left to states. Nunn has supported abortion restrictions in the Iowa State House, including a six-week ban that was blocked in court. Cindy Axney replied that abortion access should be left to women, not lawmakers. With the help of their doctor and their family and no one else. This shouldn't be a decision that states get to make. This is a decision that women get to make. Axney voted for a federal proposal that would codify abortion rights based on Roe v. Wade. That bill passed the House, but not the Senate. Sioux City's Inclusivity Committee hosted a community conversation about Latino and indigenous experiences in Iowa last night. As IPR's Kendall Crawford reports, it's the city's effort to not only identify barriers, but also celebrate diversity in Western Iowa. The event's a part of a series called The Difference is Dialogue. It gives minority groups the opportunity to share their lived experiences and to talk about how the community can better support them. Last night, Victor Diaz-Galindo shared his experience as a queer Latino growing up in Sioux City. He says he wishes his community was highlighted more often. The conversations aren't being had. I think this dialogue was so important to kind of like start planting seeds in people's heads to kind of like really start considering the communities around them because it's such a multicultural community. One fifth of the Sioux City population is Latino, according to the 2020 census. Another two percent identify as indigenous. The community conversations will continue each month until the end of the year. Tyson Foods is planning to move all of its corporate employees from Dakota Dunes, South Dakota, to other and two other offices to its world headquarters in Arkansas. It could affect as many as 550 Tyson workers in the Sioux City area. Those employees have been given until November 15th to decide on moving to Arkansas or leaving the company. 
The president of the Siouxland Chamber of Commerce, Chris McGowan, says his organization will do everything it can to help those affected. We'll work tirelessly with those employees who have been affected and want to find employment so that they and their families can remain in our community. Tyson's statement says team members will be begin the phase relocation early next year. And you're listening to Hear First from IPR News. I'm Michael Leland. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. And now more on last night's Senate debate. Republican Senator Chuck Grassley has to fend off his Democratic challenger Mike Franken before he can serve an eighth term in the U.S. Senate. Voters in Iowa and across the country are seeing fewer U.S. Senate debates this midterm election. IPR's Clay Masters reports on what Franken and Grassley had to say when they faced off for the first and only time last night. There were a lot of issues for the moderators to squeeze into this one-hour debate hosted by Iowa PBS. At one point, the pace of the questions frustrated Senator Chuck Grassley after moderator Kay Henderson attempted to move the conversation along. I wish you wouldn't interrupt me. You you did. I wanted time limits. You folks didn't want time limits. You wanted a free-flowing, so I'm free-flowing with you. But the two got their barbs against each other in their opening answers as they stood next to each other at podiums in an empty auditorium at Iowa PBS's studios in Johnston. Retired Navy Admiral Mike Franken said Grassley could be doing more to end the divisiveness in Washington. He's part of the Bessemer furnace to fan the flames of this in this craven desire to stay in office. I will be like that young draft pick, that person that's going to bring the team up. Grassley tied Franken to President Joe Biden, whose favorability in public polls is not great here. And my opponent has said that uh, Biden is doing a fabulous job. The people of Iowa, Republican, Democrat, Independent, they come to my 99 county meetings. They think inflation and energy and the border are out of control. While the debate mostly centered on issues, it also provided a chance for Iowans to hear Franken respond to a police report that surfaced last month. A former campaign staffer accused Franken of giving her an unwanted kiss and said he has an old-fashioned approach to interacting with women. Franken said the matter was investigated and found to be unfounded. Forty-year history of zero tolerance of sexual malfeasance, sexual misdeeds, of uh, gender-related harassment. But what's particularly annoying about this issue is I also have zero tolerance for the politicalization of this issue and how my opponent has taken this as, you know, of his age and seniority and time in the Senate to use this as a tool. And what he's doing is weaponizing women's rights. Grassley responded. My colleague, you're in no position to lecture me about women. You're in no position to do that. And I would uh, clarify for you, uh, Kay, that the Grassley campaign did not release this. Franken also brought up Grassley's longtime opposition to abortion rights. Chuck Grassley has made a career since first announced this in 1972, to go after a woman's right to choose. 
Now, I have a long career supporting people's rights, our way of life, internationally and domestically in the United States military. And it's very interesting that I come back here now having to defend rights of the woman to choose what's best for her. Grassley was asked if he would vote for a bill introduced by fellow Republican Senator Lindsey Graham that would create a federal abortion ban at 15 weeks of pregnancy. The Supreme Court has overturned uh, that back to the states, so elected representatives of the people of the United States uh, get a chance to uh, voice their opinion through their elected representatives, and that surely is better in a democracy than unelected uh, judges of the uh, of the courts uh, to make that decision. Grassley was later pushed for an answer about the bill for a national abortion ban and said he would vote no on it. The hour-long debate covered much more than abortion and women's rights. Franken came out in favor of President Joe Biden's steps decriminalizing marijuana. Grassley talked about a desire to pass bipartisan bills he's co-sponsored dealing with prescription drugs and large tech companies. When the hour was up, they traded a handshake and walked off stage. Months of campaigning, millions of dollars raised, and just one chance for voters to see them debate. In Des Moines, Clay Masters, IPR News. Back in 2018, California voters passed an animal welfare ballot measure. It included stricter rules on how hogs are raised in order for their pork to be sold in the state. But two major pork industry groups sued in 2019, saying it would hurt producers' livelihoods and the pork supply chain. As Iowa Public Radio's Katie Pikus reports, the U.S. Supreme Court will hear their case next week. Dwight Mogler raises thousands of pigs on his Northwest Iowa farm. So we have now stepped into the breeding and gestation barn. There are long rows of narrow enclosures that separate these female pigs, called sows, from one another. Mogler says when sows are ready to be bred, they get, well, moody, often aggressive. We try to protect them from each other by housing them in individual pens, also referred to as stalls. They stay in these stalls while they're bred for up to a week. They can stand up and lie down, but they can't turn around. Under California's Proposition 12, Mogler's breeding stalls are too small, meaning pork from his farm couldn't be sold there. What we realized is we were going to spend multiple million dollars expanding our facilities. We were going to have to implement practices that violated our principles. And after looking at that and not being able to sleep very well, we had to make the conscious decision that we will be susceptible to being discounted, but we cannot comply with Prop 12 standards. Mogler expects if Prop 12 stands, he'll get a lower price for his pigs from pork processors if they can't sell the meat to California. The question of whether one state can regulate the commerce of others is at the heart of a lawsuit. It was brought by the National Pork Producers Council and the American Farm Bureau Federation against California. Proposition 12 is unconstitutional. Michael Formica is a legal strategist for the pork producers. On a recent forum, he said Prop 12 creates a burden on farmers outside of California, a violation of the Constitution's Dormant Commerce Clause, which deals with interstate commerce. It reaches thousands of miles outside of the state of California, imposes very prescriptive standards on farmers who have no contact 
with the state of California. California makes up 13 percent of the U.S. pork market, and experts disagree whether the entire pork industry would be impacted by Prop 12. Neither California's attorney general's office nor the Department of Food and Agriculture responded to requests for comment. But the state's court filing says voters who passed the measure with more than 60 percent of the vote had a legitimate interest in promoting sow welfare and human health. The Humane Society of the U.S. supported the ballot initiative. Josh Balk is the vice president of Farm Animal Protection and says Prop 12 is critical to improving animal treatment. Confining mother pigs in cages barely larger than their bodies in a cage so narrow they can't even turn around is cruel. It's inhumane. And it also leads to public health and food safety issues. California has few hog operations, meaning most of the pork sold there comes from elsewhere. Roger McOwen is an ag law professor at Washburn University. He says even if Californians are concerned about sow welfare and food safety, the U.S. Supreme Court will weigh whether the law unfairly foists those concerns onto producers outside of the state. Does California have a legitimate public interest that they can uphold without uh, unduly burdening commerce, or is it clearly excessive? Back in Iowa, farmer Dwight Mogler says if Prop 12 stands, he worries other states could pass similar ballot initiatives. My concern is this snowball will get a lot bigger, that our food system will become disrupted, and in the end, the consumer will lose. An opinion from the court isn't expected until next year. I'm Katie Pikus, IPR News. And this is Here First from IPR News. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great weekend.